Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Say, boss, welcome to the show, man. It's been forever. I feel like uh, you've been bouncing around the world, I guess. Uh, but now you're here. How you doing, man? Yes, sir, Eric. Thank you for having me on, dude. I'm happy to to be back in the area and to be on the podcast. Uh, and I'm doing well, dude. I'm doing doing great. I'm thankful for for everything that's going on in my life right now. For sure. So, uh, as you at time of recording, I think this would have been last week. But if anyone who is already following you knows, your picture ended up plastered all over the MLS <laughs> All Star Game. First of all. Congrats on that. That's a Thank that's you. a cool thing. Second of all, do you want to well, actually before we go into this, why don't you do a little introduction for those listening to give context to to who you are and kind of the answers that you'll give and the perspectives that you have. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I'll definitely get into the all star stuff because that's uh something that's really cool and 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 unique and um it's it'll be fun to share that story. But yeah, my name's Sebastian Hendy. I'm Canadian born. Two parents, both from Argentina. Uh, which is an important part of has has formed me into who I am, like the culture and um, traveling to these places. So obviously, my dad being Argentine loves soccer, and it's been you know just a part of who we are. Um, and me and my brothers, I have two younger brothers, and we both play soccer. So growing up, that was just everything in the household constantly. Uh, jerseys for birthdays, Christmas cleats, you know, just like the fandom and the passion that the Argentines and South Americans have. Uh, just kind of like infected me into my life and guided me into everything I did, everything I did, um, I did with passion and with, with heart. And, you know, soccer was just like that thing that I, that I love the most. And I, I played, you know, throughout high school, I was lucky enough to win a state championship, uh, at TC Williams. Um, we had a great team that year, 2014, um, you know, Eric Williamson's on the national team. Now he won the gold cup, you know, he was uh, uh, the stud of that team and, um, you know, growing up in this area, you're fortunate to have so much of that. Now we're at dream, you know, I'm skipping a few steps there, but we're at dream with so much talent, you know, that's played yeah. internationally, professionally. Um, and they're all from here, uh, a lot, you know, international backgrounds, but developed in this area, um, which is awesome. And not many places have such a competitive environment like that. But then, you know, after high school, I was fortunate enough that I played junior college for two years, which I think is, um, like a really underrated level of soccer because you know typically college soccer is dominated by a certain group of people who can either afford to go play soccer in college you know or are looking to get their education but generally speaking the the top professionals of the history of soccer didn't go to college let alone barely high school you know like it's um so I found myself in junior college and at first I was really upset because I thought, man, you know, all my friends are going D1 and I'm stuck here like junior college. I don't get any of the gear that they get and I don't have any equipment. Um, and, but I found myself playing against some of the best players that I've played against in my, in my career, because you got guys coming from like England, Brazil, Argentina, Serbia, Germany, um, so just everywhere who don't really necessarily have the grades, but are studs and, you know, just play so, so well. Um, unfortunately, a lot of their careers finished short, and I was I was lucky enough to continue and play uh, at Marymount University, which is you know here in Arlington, um, where I was you know lucky to be captain for two years, leading goal scorer, and I I don't know I wanted to go somewhere where I could play, 
you know, I had a D1 offer, but the coach kind of told me, like, look, dude, you're going to sit on the bench. Um, and, you know, I love playing. So I decided to go the D3 route, and my parents could come watch me play. I was close to home. It was an amazing opportunity. And if I had never gone to Marymount, I would have never done my first fashion show, which would have never taken me to the All-Star game. So, like, every little decision, whether or not you may think in that moment is what's best for you, it always will lead you to something, right? And in that moment when I, like, committed to go to Marymount, I thought, man, you know, like, whatever. Can I cuss? Sure. I said, fuck it, you know. I'm going to take take a chance. The uh, Coach Moser was amazing. He was such a – just, like, genuinely great person. And he believed in – he believed in me. And you know what? I said, let's do it. Same same kind of idea with Juco at Richard Bland. That's the school I went to. And Coach Eddie believed in me as well. He was a great, great guy, Brazilian. And he just believed in all of us. And he helped me get to that next level. And then, you know, Moser just seemed like a genuine person. And I decided to take that chance. And it was while I was at Marymount where I studied abroad in Spain. And when I was in Spain, I fell in love with fashion. I always like liked it, but when I went there, you know, everyone dresses up like every single day. Um, it's very, it's just like more part of the culture than it is here. In Argentina, it's like that, but I didn't get that here. So when I went to Spain, I was living there. It was my first time kind of like living abroad. Um, and like reignited. And then I came, I came back to Marymount and Marymount has the biggest like fashion and design program outside of New York City. Does it it's really? huge. Yeah, and I had no the school is so small. I, I wouldn't it is, have to... it is tiny, yeah. and it's like criminal criminal justice. Um, is big because we're close to the FBI, so there's yeah, a lot yeah. of people that study that, and then fashion and design is like really big there as well. Um, and it let was me, so I, random. Let me pause you, yeah, real yeah, quick. Go, yeah, go for when, it. When, when I think of fashion and design and things like that, generally, in, in my head, and I, I feel this way with um cooking or art or other kind of or music to, to some extent like when you go to school for that thing it almost it doesn't feel like you're supposed to be going to a structured place to learn about a thing that isn't supposed to be structured like fashion and design you're supposed to be outside the mm -hmm. bounds of whatever you're doing and i guess cooking may be a little bit different like i had a guy on here he's a nutritionist for mma fighters he went to culinary school so he could learn how mm -hmm. to like make healthy food not taste like ass so it's like <laughs> so it's like fair enough man but and then music obviously there's different techniques and there's right more the more formal side of music where you're in orchestras or things like that is more you have to learn the classical techniques and the history and and all that sort of stuff but for fashion in mm -hmm. particular it's like what do you i feel like having somebody tell you say hey this is what fashion what's fashionable like defeats the purpose mm -hmm. of being fashion like you know what i mean yeah so how does that no, work I, when you're in school for it like what are you learning yeah no i i agree i mean i personally i studied psychology um but i became really good friends with the, the fashion and design students and i would always think the same thing my mom was a dancer uh she was a professional ballerina and my dad was an architect so i come from a creative so i'm getting a, a call you're good um uh and so i do have to text this person back just to let them know no you're um, good. no worries dude cool i yeah and so i come from a creative background you know like architecture is literally designing and creating a building or something like yeah, that yeah. and dance 
is an expression of movement and like thought and feeling through your body. And so I always kind of like knew I had that creative side in me. And I always thought the same thing, like, how do you do that? But it's interesting because it's not necessarily the same structure that we would get an education in where you have to turn in essays and stuff. Marymount was really like basically the accumulation of it. The whole kind of program is every year they put on a student run fashion show. It's 100% student run. Um, the clothes are made, designed, made by the students. The set is designed by the students. Obviously, there's people that come in and like set it up like professionals. But everything else is all done through uh, the students, which is incredible. I love that. And, you know, like they, they have a lot of freedom. Obviously, they have like a teacher that guides them. But more in the more in the in the idea of like this is how you sew. This may just not work, so maybe you have to like helping with solutions, but not really like putting it in the box. Um, and one of my good friends that I had in the school, uh, Yasmin, she she like bugged me the first year to try to model, and I didn't want to do it because like that point in my life, I was just like soccer was a, like a million miles an hour. I just couldn't even like comprehend not training for soccer well actually no I studied abroad that semester when I came back after the season I had one extra semester as and I did it as an undergraduate assistant coach uh so I decided you know what I'm also gonna do I'll just do the fashion show in the spring because I'm coming back to coach not to play and it was awesome I loved it I loved like the process the creative process watching them do it um it was funny because there was a few other a few of the guys that did it there's only like five or six guys and then like 20 four or five girls and some of the other guys were athletes and we would joke because they would complain about how hard the practice was and I was like we're literally just walking on a fake runway like they put tape out on the floor and yeah, we just yeah. like practice walking up and down and they're like oh my god I can't wait to walk again and we like we could be doing sprints right now like this could be so this could be so much worse um and I don't know it was just funny but I I loved it the choreography made sense to me. I think I got that from my dad uh, or from my mom. And I just like really, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed being around creative people. It's a good break from like being around athletes because, um, you know, especially when you're young, a lot of male athletes aren't necessarily like in an environment of expression and like creativity. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a lot of like focus and dedication. Like put your head down. Like I got to train. I got to win. I can't do this because people are going to think this of me um you know like when i did the fashion show a lot of my teammates like made fun of me and they were like calling me gay which like to me is not an insult because it's not a bad thing to be gay and uh it was just like really interesting you know the the feedback that you get when you start to follow yourself but i always thought of it as a reflection of like themselves i never try to take it personally even though i do sometimes you know it's hard but when people say things like that about you or they make homophobic comments or they may um you know just try to like bring you down i think of it more as a reflection of themselves because like i'm doing what makes me happy and i'm not affecting you with what i'm doing you know i'm just doing this because i like to do it and if it bothers you that much that you have to say something about me um like that's like negative then you know what like you're more you're more you're revealing a lot more about yourself than you may think uh and like once i started doing this i started I don't want to say I lost friends because I, they're not, not my friends anymore, but we didn't like progress and deepen our relationship. Right. Um, where I was, I'd meet other people who were open to these ideas and weren't close as close minded because everyone, I think to a certain extent, like as open as your mind may be, 
to someone else, you're closed minded. Right. So it's of all course. perspective and, you know, it's all perspective and where you put yourself. Um, it's not like one idea is right and the other is just wrong. Right. To you, it's right. But to them, it may not be. But you have to find those people that you agree on those like core key values that like in your heart make you happy. Um, and that started happening to me. And I, every time I would like, you know, I would eventually, uh, while, after I did the fashion show, I had a group, not a group, my dad came to the show and he brought a, a friend of his and that friend of his like had a connection in New York at an agency. And I was, got invited to go to New York to do a casting, but I had a soccer game that weekend. And it was like every weekend they'd be like, when can you come? And I was like, well, I play soccer. So I like that point. I kind of decided to put that to the side for a bit because, you know, I was trying to play professionally and. I just like didn't really think much of, you know, at that point, I I didn't even think I would ever achieve anything in modeling. I thought that so where are you was at? Going where are you to... at in life at this point? Have you did you graduate yet from Marymount? Yeah, so I graduated from Marymount two thousand nineteen, uh, like the first year of COVID, like right when COVID. I graduated like that, um, that the, winter. The winter. So I like finished. Yeah, I finished December 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had, and then like, you know, 20, and then COVID came in the spring. And I was supposed to mark, walk in the spring, but then I had like a virtual um, graduation. So where, where are you at? I graduated Marymount. Where are you at mentally? Like, because this area is not cheap to live in. So at some point you have to make some form of money. And your two options yeah. on the table that you've talked about so far don't bring you a lot of money unless you're the like the best in the world at it. So where are you? Where are you at up here? What's the mm-hmm. what's the what's the headspace like? What are you weighing different options? Are you like I have to get a job at somewhere? What if yeah. in the meantime, like what's going on with you in life yeah. at that point? No, that that's that's an absolutely great question, and honestly, it's something that like I talk about where you can look on Instagram and see a picture and may think like, whoa, this guy's like posters somewhere like he might he might he must be famous or rich or whatever but like i literally just moved out of my parents house this month um you know i don't i'm not like a rich at all like i wish i was but um i have a full-time job i just got a full-time job i've been working at lululemon for the past um you know probably six months i was like a manager for a bit and now i went to part-time but i just got a job as the head girl soccer coach at St. Stephen St. Agnes School, uh, which is a, an independent school in Alexandria. And I'm also going to be a full-time substitute teacher there. So I basically have like, you know, my kind of daytime uh, life job that allows me to chase and pursue these like other passions. Because if I was, at one point, I was going to move to New York or LA to pursue this kind of like full-time. But I really thought about it and it kind of hit me that I was not going to be making the money that I thought I would be. And that like rent and life is just so expensive right now in America. Um, So I'm so fortunate that I got this job because it's paying me enough money to like move out of my parents' house and just, you know, live like a life. Um, I'm lucky I don't have a car. I don't need a car. I can walk to work from where I'm at now and I can share a car with, with my parents. So I don't have like that many expenses. You know, I try to live a modest life. Um, I have a whole bunch of Lululemon clothes because I get a nice discount. But besides that, like, I'm not really a flashy person. I kind of like speak through simplicity um, in clothes, in clothing. Like, I don't buy designer clothes to, you know, do that, express myself. I can express it through 
whatever I have available to me. Um, so, you know, mentally, I feel like this is the first time in my life where I feel like pretty secure, like as an adult, where I know, you know, I've like signed my contract and I know for a fact that I can like live for this year. Um, you know, next year will come and, and mentally I'm thinking I'll be in an even better place. You know, I don't try to think, um, I don't try to worry about what's going to happen when that comes. My thinking is like, I'm going to do such a good job this year that next year I'm just going to make more money, um, you know, and just grow through that. But talking about like the expensive thing, you know, then this can transition a bit. Like that's why I go to Argentina because, you know, my family's from there and I have family there. But it's so cheap to go down there if you're yeah. an American with dollars. The dollar right now is 480 pesos, which is insane. When I used to go in like 2010, it was like three pesos for a dollar. Now it's 480. You know, last year when I left, I was there living for a year playing futsal. Um, and it was 220. And now this year it's 480. So like the inflation there is just astronomical. And for the people there, like for my family, it sucks. Because, you know, imagine you're just imagine you're making 50K a year and you can pay for everything. And then like next year you go to Chipotle and a bowl costs twenty dollars. Yeah. And, you know, rent is now four thousand dollars. And, you know, like and everything just costs more money, but you're making the same. And it's just like this crazy, you know, I, I feel so bad for hopefully they have elections coming up and I, I really hope that they can figure out the problem but until they do i'm gonna go down there and take advantage of the, <laughs> of the currency exchange yeah. and you know i try to i try to share the love when i go down i take my family i take family friends out and i i like, pay for dinners and i've taken donations of cleats to help like girl soccer players there that don't have the funding and the uh, equipment um you know i brought like suitcases down to try to help and uh because it's my country you know and it's my people and, and yeah. i don't want them to let's get let's to, get to, to that suffer Let's get yeah. to Argentina stuff in, in a bit because um, we're bouncing all over the place, which is not a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, uh, I like bouncing I, I places. Bounce, man. I bounce. No, it's all good. Okay, so you – I want I want to – I asked the original question about your headspace because I was trying to figure out where you were at, where you were at during COVID because I know you got the St. Stephen's, St. Agnes job. Which oh, is, dude. Which is great, and I'm uh, super happy yeah. for you. But during COVID, like where are you at? Okay. With, because oh, things, yeah. things are shut down, and, and I know people – that were supposed to go on trial in Europe and various places. And then they weren't able to go. Um, and then obviously New York and LA during, right. You, you being one of them. And then New York and LA during COVID were locked down probably the most um, of any place really in, in the U S and so the modeling stuff, they're also another door shut. So like, what, so like, what are you doing? What's the plan from you? What are you waiting yeah. or What's going on with you during during that time, given the given mm -hmm. your two pursuits, basically, yeah. is where that question comes from. Well, I'll say this during that COVID. So what's COVID like 2020 to like 2021 and a half, you know, yeah, 22, let's say um, like 2022. Yeah, like the beginning ish in that time period. I didn't do a single modeling anything. I had super long hair that I bleached in the middle of COVID because I was bored as fuck. I remember. I, like I met George you. Washington. I yeah, met dude. you at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's when I was training with like Pablo. Um, mm -hmm. And that was kind of just like a whatever, like, a, oh, life is kind of over. We're not going to see anyone. So I'm going to like do something crazy. Um, but like to put it into context, I did that fashion show right before I graduated. And that was like, you know, 20, 2019. 
So I did that and I loved it. And I did one other fashion show that like another friend, the friend who had, you know, encouraged me to do this. She hooked me up with one more where I just did like one piece. Um, but it was really cool just to, to like to get back into that. And then from that moment on, I did not do anything throughout the pandemic. I, um, and it's going to get to me how I like get back into modeling while as I talk. But the pandemic comes and basically that last season before I like the pandemic hits in college, my coach says to me, like, I always wanted to play professionally, but I never like was consciously thinking about it, you know, where now yeah. I understand that like by 16 years old, if you're not really like on that pathway, you're fighting one of the biggest uphill battles in the world. Oh, it's bonkers. So it's insane. It's crazy, you know, and it's just like people watch a movie and they're like, oh, but if they can do it. But like the thing is, if they do it, they make a movie about you. And there's, only, there's not many movies about that kind of stuff, you know? So like you, it's really, really, really difficult. And basically my coach was like, hey, look, my, this is my last year of college. Cause I just progressively, I like felt like I exponentially got better as a player. I think I was like very out of shape as a young kid. And I like the more in shape I got, the better I would like be able to express the skill that I already knew that I had. But I felt like my fitness held me back from that. So as I became more fit, I was able to like better express myself. And I, my senior year, he tells me, okay, go. So then I start like reaching out to every single person I know who like has any type of connection or any type of experience or knowledge that can like help me on this pathway. And, you know, for every 10 people you, you call or text or email, you know, seven might not respond or might not have the answer that you want. But those three or even two or even one person that does is like the key, right? And I was very lucky to meet like three or four people that in that pandemic, Pablo being one of them, right, who we would train with constantly. And he just had an energy to him where he was trying to get players to go play professionally, right? And when you're around that, you're competing around other people who are in that, the mindset and like the energy that, you know, it motivates you. And when you're waking up at 5 a.m. to go to these sessions, um dude you're seeing you know we're training with guys who are pros ex-pros about to go on trial national team experience and uh it really was, just um, opens was omar th was omar there as well when you were omar training? was there too, yeah man. he was omar he was, was bringing his guy, crew man. from maryland yeah yeah 100 yeah, and, he, and he's and he's a great guy i see what he does now with the kids that he works with and he um dude he's a soccer He's like a football fanatic, you know, like he just yeah. loves the game so much and he just loves teaching that. Um, and I just appreciate that. And I love seeing what he does because not everyone coaches the same and not everyone is the same. Right. And everyone comes from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from different upbringing areas. And it's I just love seeing how no matter where you who you are, where you come from or just like all, and all of that comes together. So many different words can come out of your mouth, but the meaning can be like the same one, you know, of like love and care and, 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 and wanting to teach, you know, and Omar, I don't know. He was just, he stuck with me. He was always so, so nice too, you know, like, yeah. um, even before I'd ever met him, you know, like the first time I met him, I just remember being him a nice guy. Then I also had a guy named Ryan Alexander, who is, a um, he played in France and Sweden and uh throughout europe and in america and he was just a great soccer player and he's a great coach now and dude he was one of the realest people that i worked with man's 
man called somebody in Sweden, like in front of my face and started speaking Swedish, you know, and I was, my jaw was on the floor, man. I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, he's like, yeah, I got this guy right here in front of me, six one, you know, like striker, big guy. And, you know, they're like sitting there talking and he's like, all right, you know, you're going to go soon. We got to get you ready. So I start training with him and I, one, realized that I was nowhere near like, and this is when I feel like I'm in the best fitness of my life, that I'm nowhere near, you know, based on what he's telling me of like a professional level of fitness. And he's just kind of exposing things about my, like my touch, things. I, but like not in a negative way, right? Like he, he believes in me, but he's like telling me, dude, this, this and this is going to happen when you get there. And it's going to be a shock, you know, if you're not ready for it. So he starts prepping me and we're starting getting there. Then boom, like pandemic starts getting worse. Sweden like closes everything down, right? Like no shot of going over there. Um, so then I'm kind of like in this weird, um, weird place where I don't know like what the hell to do. The pandemic getting worse and worse. Life is just getting weird as shit. And then I'm like funding myself through the pandemic by um, doing private lessons. So, dude, like, one of the stupidest things I ever did, but also ended up, like, you know, everything happens for a reason. I was training this group of um girls that I coached for futsal, and we made, like, a group of four that we would train during the pandemic. Um, And one day, we would, like, at the end of the session, we would do something fun. And one day, they're like, oh, can we know, know how to do bicycle kicks? I was like, yeah, let's do bicycle kicks. So, I'm, like, sitting there teaching them how to, like, do bicycle kicks and how not to fall so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then they're all done and I'm like, all right, go get the balls. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, let me get like a nice little bicycle kick for myself. So I like jump. I just remember, I remember like jumping really high. I mean, obviously it probably felt higher than it was, but I remember like leaping up and like hitting it perfect and looking back at it and like seeing it go in. And next thing you know, boom, I fall, hit the ground, crap, collarbone breaks in four places. Um, One in 1000 break, right? The doctor like, it was the hardest surgery the doctor ever did. He has he has it on his watch. I have two plates and fourteen screws in my Damn. in my collarbone, man, and that that you know just destroyed me mentally, physically, emotionally. Like you know, it was, it, first of all, the pain was incredible. Like I've never really felt anything like that. Uh, my bone was kind of like out of my body. You know, you could see like a bump, and I got put on like Percocets. And I like really wish that I had never done that because it really, I like took, started taking them because obviously I was in pain and I just took whatever they gave me. And then after a week or so, you know, my dad's telling me like, dude, you should be careful. Like this stuff is really addicting. And at one point I'm like, just waiting for my timer to go off, you know, to take these pills. And I'm, and I realized like, okay, you know, this is, um, and this is prescribed to me by a doctor. Like, yeah. And I was just really getting hooked on it. And I went back and I was like, hey, you know what? Um, I like want to switch to a non-opiate painkiller. And, and you know, they did it. And next thing you know, I find myself just kind of like start. So this happened. I broke it in September. And I was like coaching teams too, which is crazy. I had to like go to practice in a sling. And I started like spiraling into just like the deepest depression. You know, it was like, um, it just, the, the, I think it was like the, the surgery, the pain, the like quick release off the opiates, even though I was only on them for a short amount of time. And then how just kind of like this realization, dude, I would say like two weeks, man, but obviously taking them on a schedule, like a lot because of like the pain and the surgery. Um, might let's say three weeks because I took them um, a week before surgery and then two weeks post surgery. Um, 
you know, around there. And, and it starts going really, really bad. And I'm just like, so sad. I'm realizing like, damn, you know, I might never play talk. You know, doctors, doctors don't give a shit. If you're not the man city doctor is going to tell you you're going to come back quick. Cause they understand who you are. You're more as, you know, you got to come back and play cause you make money. But when you're just some guy, you know, they, they don't, they're not going to sit here and like, realistically, they're just like, yeah, man, like a year until you play sports again. So I'm destroyed. Even though in the back of my head, I know that I can get back faster than that. I'm still just like destroyed. Um, but, you know, I just rehab the shit out of it. I'm there every day, you know, just really putting in the effort and the grind just to like get better because in the back of my head, I'm like, there's no way that I'm just going to let this finish right now. Like I have to, I have to keep going. And I also didn't want my, my like body just to be messed up for the future, you know, because if I didn't yeah. rehab it right, I could have problems that I wouldn't be able to work out. And then that would suck. This all leads basically, you know, I start rehabbing everything. One day I'm, I, I would go for walks because um, I couldn't exercise. And I went for a walk one day and I walked past uh, Jefferson Houston, which is like a field by my house. And CJ's there. Uh, mm-hmm. CJ's there. And he's CJ's a local guy who we played with. And, you know, he's a coach too. And he's there like doing sessions with guys. And I go over and I start talking to him. And, you know, he just asked me how I'm doing and everything. And, we're talking i sit there and i start juggling a soccer ball a little bit i was like oh wow i can juggle like you know i can i can move a little bit and then you know that that feeling comes back i'm like being a little kid again you know when like when you've been injured for a while you think you're never gonna play like soccer whatever sport it is again and then when you start like playing again and you're like oh my god this is so much fun like i love this so I basically, I didn't even ask my doctors, man. I was just like, yo, CJ, I'm going to come and do sessions, but non-contact and just like passing, right? And then I would come and I had my sling on and everything. And I would go and just kind of like do some touches on the ball. Next thing you know, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And one day on Instagram, I see uh, an advertisement for a club called 1904 FC. And it was a club owned by Eden Hazard and Den Baba that played in Nisa. Um, in uh, San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah, in San Diego. So they're hosting like an open tryout. It's like a two-week open tryout. No, 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 no. It's not an open tryout. Sorry. You have to apply for the tryout, which like who knows how. I mean, everyone who was there was good, but, you know, who knows like if they actually turn anyone down or not. But it's like an open tryout. You pay like 500 bucks. You go to the tryout and, um, you know, you get a chance and they were they, what they advertised was like the year before when they did it, they signed like 14 players onto their team. Right. And that they were guaranteed to sign at least like five players from this camp. So it wasn't like, you know, a trial for Barcelona where they don't even, I don't know. I was like, this could actually happen, you know? Yeah. Um. So I go to CJ and I tell him and it was in December, like right before Christmas. So he's like, yeah, dude, come on, let's start working. So I start working, working, working. And then, you know, slowly I can like move my arm a little bit. Three three months after. This is so, yeah, like this is probably in November when I start to really start, you know, training. And I'm going, I'm going every single day. You mm-hmm. know, I'm literally every single day I'm going to the field and training. Um, you know, it's pandemic, nothing to do. And I'm hurt. Like I did, I was tunnel vision. And my whole day revolved around like training, recovering, eating, you know, just like at that point. I was just my whole life revolved around that. And I like sign up, I apply for the camp, they accept me, and I'm like, hell yeah. I get an Airbnb 
um, you know, I was making good money doing the, uh, the training and I was living at home and, you know, COVID and nothing expenses. So I was like, fuck it, dude, I'm going to got a flight out there, got an Airbnb, got a rental car for the two weeks. Um, and I was like, fuck it, dude, let's just like go like live, live like a pro soccer player for two weeks, you know, like kind of think about it that way. And dude, I kicked, I kicked absolute ass at that trial. Um, I scored more goals than anyone there. I just like, I don't know. I felt alive again, like playing soccer and I just fucking loved it, dude. And then next thing you know, and it's like weird, but for context, I had long hair. Were you recovered? Were you recovered by then? Like fully or almost ish? Yes and no. I mean, like I was moving and I would like bump a little bit, but I was like kind of scared, but I wasn't like cleared to play. But I also had consulted my doctors and was like, if this were to happen, you know, what would be the worst thing that would happen if I fell? And they were just like, well, it's not going to re-break. Um, it might just hurt a lot or something like that. Like, Do you still the, have the, the plates absolute... and stuff in there? Oh, yeah. They're in there for life. Um, Dude, and I, I just remember, like, being so happy after that because I, I put in everything that I could, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't go home after that and say, damn, I could have done more. But based on the circumstances and resources that I have available, I put absolutely every ounce of energy that I could into that. And um, I remember just waiting every day for that email, every single day, waiting. I couldn't think of anything, nothing, dude. Nothing mattered except for like, you know, the holidays are coming up. I can give a shit. I'm sitting there every day. And, you know, I'm telling everyone I'm about to move to San Diego. Somebody, you know, I know I'm about to get signed. The coaches yeah, yeah. are dropping all these hints to me. You know, they were good friends. They were cool. So I'm like, I know I'm about to get signed. Like, I'm not even stressing over it. Um, And then I remember it was like one night. It was like 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And they're in Cali, right? So they're on a, they're on a different time. And like out of like, you know, randomness, I like kind of wake up and have this really weird gut feeling. And I'm like, they just emailed me. It was really weird. I checked my phone and it was like, you know, the coach's name, 1904. I was like, oh shit, here we go. And I think I'm just sitting there thinking about it, like, you know, achieve my childhood dream of becoming a pro. And I open it up and, you know, they're like smashing. We're like so impressed by you at camp. And I'm just like, oh yeah. And then it's like, you know, basically it came down to me and like the 17 year old kid. And they just like, you know, we're going to invest in him because he's 17 and you're 20. I was what, 24, 25 at the time, 24. 25 i think I don't know. and you know they're just like look like we're gonna invest in him over you um it's not and they actually send you an evaluation a breakdown which is really impressive of like where you are compared to champions league mls um like usl one two and nisa um and i was like at the level and basically they're just like look like we like right now we don't have anything to offer you like we'll be in touch um in case we like do something else but and dude, that just like fucking killed me so much. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was already kind of going down and the it was kind of like a temporary break going to Cali. And then that happened, and I was like, ah. Oh. My instant thought was like I give up. Um, you know, I like, dude, I cried for a bit. Um, I was just like, damn, because I put because I did put everything into it, so I wanted it. But then I kind of like said that to myself, and I was like, man, like there's you have to keep going, like it cannot just end with one trial. And I posted a highlight video from that trial because, you know, they filmed it. And I posted a highlight video from that trial on 
um, Instagram, and then this agency called OPSM, which is an Ottawa-based agency I've heard in Canada. It, I've heard and, I, of them. and I'm from Ottawa, reaches out to me. And they're like, yo, you know, like, we like what we see. Like, we think we can get you on a team here. And, dude, it just literally felt like all the stars. I'm, I was born in Ottawa, Canada, man. And an Ottawa-based sports agency reaches out to me. I couldn't believe it. Like, because um, I had heard of them. But, you know, so then I reach out to them. I'm like, yo, you because know, they were just going to try to send me to a team. But I tell them, I'm like, yo, I'm actually Canadian. I'm from Ottawa. And, like, um, you know, like. I would come to Canada for a bit. And they were just like, look, we're about to hope host um basically like a placement kind of camp to send players to like the CPL, which is a Canadian Premier League. Right. Um that had like just started. And they're like, you know, we'll pay for everything, like your fee and all that kind of stuff if you come. And I was like, dude, I'll I'll be there. So I just tell my parents and I'm like, yo, you know, I'm gonna go to Canada for like half a year because I need to like get out of Alexandria. I need to like change pace. I need a new place to 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 just like change up things and luckily my aunt in canada who is a saint my tiana um and she has she lives with my my cousin who's like my older sister she was there jalila and then my other cousin from argentina was also staying with her at that time she had four bedrooms in the house because uh, she would rent to students but she wasn't renting during covid so we would take we took those rooms and uh it worked out perfectly it was crazy dude i went to canada in the pandemic it's not like America where people like don't listen, you know, and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll wear a map and like, you just lower it in Canada. Like everyone listens to everything the government says. So I had to quarantine in my aunt's house in a room for two weeks straight. The government would call me like every day to like ask me if I was in the room, what I was doing, like to describe the situation. So I had like a stove, like a portable stove. Dude, I had a portable stove. But, like I would cook, like I lived in a room for two weeks in one room. Like I would have to go to the bathroom. I would have to wear a mask and go out into the hallway to go to the bathroom. Like, I, I would go for a run, but I would have to go mat, wear a mask, like, go outside. And, like, you know, at this point, people were, like, really afraid. So, it wasn't, like, you know, you didn't want to get anyone COVID. And I was like, what if I came from America and I had it and I gave it to my aunt, you know? So, like, you, I really was, like, taking the precautions. Um, and I would work out. Dude, my, my schedule was just would just be, like, wake up, um, wake up, work out, eat, and then watch Netflix all day um you know and like uh well shit i mean i guess i can say it it's like but weed is legal in canada so i mean i would use that yeah medicinally um real honestly because i was trying to like play professionally so i would use it like creams bath bombs like medicinally but there was nothing else to do man like it, everything was locked down and it was winter so there's what six feet of snow so, outside. so what is, is this um is this what early early 2022 this is this is january of 2022 okay right no of 2021 so you broke your so you broke your collarbone end of 2020 yeah september 2020. 2020 yes and then 2021 so, january i, I do so the trial in all, december yeah the doctor to say that you would not be playing sports for a year and four months later you've been at that's bonkers anyways Dude, i mean I read I read uh, the book Relentless by Tim Grover, who was Michael Jordan's trainer, and mm -hmm. it talks about how Michael Jordan would injure himself and like would come back at astronomical rates because they worked so hard. And that like people think that you have to rest, you do have to rest at certain points, but you can also like you can regenerate your body if you work it enough in a, in yes. a calculated way, right? Yes. Not just like oh do whatever like 
do what you have to do, but do it like hard and, 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 you know, put in the work for it. Uh, so yeah. And then, and then I'm up there, dude, and they just keep going into lockdown after lockdown in Canada. So I'm essentially the first two weeks I'm working out in a room, body weight workout, right? I can't really play soccer. Then I get out of that and, you know, I'm like in the house, but dude, there's six feet of snow everywhere. So there's no field that you can just go to outside and play soccer at like, and it's the pandemic. So I was training in parking garages. I'll go to Whole Foods and I would go to their parking garage underground and I would find a wall and I would play soccer and I would like kick the ball against the wall and I would set up cones and I'd practice shooting. I'd practice dribbling. Um, and I'd be in a parking garage and my fucking eyelashes would be freezing. Um, I would, I'd be still gloved up everything, like full, you know, ski mask. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was, dude, it was a character test, you know, because there'd be days where I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what is going on? And they delayed the camp twice, right? It was supposed to be, I got there, what, January 4th or something? It was supposed to be February 2nd, and then it goes back to March, and then it, like, or February 26th, and then it goes to, like, March 14th, right? So, like, the whole time, there's nothing, I literally, it's like, my life is just the same thing every day, but at the same time, I started working with a sports psychologist and where'd so you like find, as this, where'd you find them? So she was, she's technically a sports, like a mental performance coach. Cause she's not a licensed psychologist, right? So she's like a mental strength coach, but she worked with the Alexandria soccer association who I coached with like, you know, before the pandemic um, and during a little bit. And she would like work with the teams and stuff. And I, one day, and so I studied psychology. So I love sports psychology i actually wanted to be a sports psychologist at one point so i was just like really fascinated by it and i always talked to her and i'd be like hey like robin shout out robin uh helped change my life and i would always just be like hey you know like i want to if you ever need help if you ever want anything like let me let me know and i can help you because i want to learn so then one day she actually reached out to me and she was like hey like i need help with something and like that went from that to her being like what are you up to and i'm like hey you know i'm trying to play soccer but i'm like really depressed right now i don't know you know sometimes you just feel like being open with somebody and i was just like open with her and it was the right person to be open with because she like listened to me and she wasn't just like oh that sucks you know she was just like well what is like maybe causing that and she started asking me questions next thing you know we're talking for like an hour and a half um and and i'm like holy shit like there's so many things that i need to um work on about myself that have nothing to do with soccer but are affecting my soccer play so like being i would step on the field and be so nervous man even if like it didn't seem like it i would literally think that every single person was watching me and like judging every single mistake that i made and like going home after and like talking about it and i know that might seem crazy to think but no, like it's not because you and what, i have you know, like, a conversation about right? like exactly yeah and like so many people that's the thing is unless you speak about it you don't understand that so many people feel that way right but that doesn't mean that you have to right so basically we start getting down to it i'm not going to get into like all the deep um dark secrets of it but you know you start to figure things out about yourself and you start to overcome them and it was like you get over one wall and you just be like wow i had no idea this was here you know, and then he's like, you're just walking through that valley in that path. And then another wall comes and you're like, wow, if I got over that last one and, and I got to this, what's going to be over that next wall? Right. So then uh, you it just gives start you slowly hope. like it gives you hope. Exactly. And I, and I just started like 
getting into this elite mindset, I would work with her and I would do meditations and I would journal every single day and I would read um, and I would like try to, you know, fill myself with good things to do. And I started like getting into a kind of mindset that I'd never really had before where I was like, wow, I'm going to achieve like something, you know, and I know that I can. And uh, next thing you know, the camp comes and dude we're like inside in like a little 8v8 field in like the senator's hockey arena and it's like 22 ice hockey rinks and like one little ass soccer field man and we're all in there and it sucked because like you know me as a player like when i play as a nine i don't know i need like more as as, as good as i play in small space like with futsal at that point i still wasn't like in that and i dude i don't know i just didn't have i thought i, I thought i had a decent camp but i didn't have like the best camp and they were just like, look, right now, like, we don't feel confident, like, sending you to a Canadian team. But, like, there's a team in California that's UPSL, but they'll pay you if you go. But you have to, like, kind of, like, you got to leave Canada. Because, like, Canada was just in, like, lockdown after lockdown, dude. They were like, we're going to be like this for three more months. Like, nobody's going to play soccer, you know? So, even if in those three months you did get better, like, you wouldn't be getting any money. Like, I was losing money. I was at work and I was sitting there spending so then I'm like, fuck it. I rent a car, drive back home. It was eight hours, like one shot. I just go home, pack my bag. Two days later, I go to San Jose um, with this team called AFC South Bay. And it was cool. I mean, I was there for like two weeks. And essentially, like, you know, they wanted me to play there and everything. But the, I played two games with them in the UPSL. In the last game, the coach just kind of got a red card in the first half for like no reason. Like we were winning the game. And I just kind of like was weird reflection because – they said they were going to pay me, then they couldn't pay me, then they said they're going to give me housing, couldn't give me housing, they're going to help me get a job, couldn't help me get a job. It all kind of like clicked together. And I just thought to myself, like, I can't afford to pay $2,000 a month rent in California, like not making money for a no. team that's not even professional, you know. So I came back home and I shaved all my head off, which like might seem like a small thing, but like my long hair I had for what, five, six years, it like felt like a part of me. Like people called me man bun. And it just, like, felt like, you know, I was very attached to it. But at the same time, like, working with a psychologist, she was like, you know, it's a new, it's going to be a new chapter in your life. So I shaved it all off, and and it felt so good. I felt like a new person. felt mm. like a restart, like a fresh start in life. Yeah. Um, and then I started playing with Alexandria, with the Reds. You know, this is all during COVID still, like towards the end of COVID, but I started playing with the Reds and things started going great, dude. I started balling out. I started scoring a lot of goals. Um, I'm constantly talking with the agency though, right? About going to like trial with a few different teams yeah. and everything just keeps falling through, man. It keeps falling through. Um, and I was naive back then. I would get so excited about anything. They would mention, they'd be like, this team in Chicago might need a nine. I'd be like, going to Chicago, you know? Um, <laughs> and just like, so naive. And these guys are like, dude, they're, they were awesome, the OPSM guys. But at the same time, it was like a newish agency. And I feel like they – so actually, they offered me a job as an agent, which was funny. They thought I'd be a really good agent, um, just like I the way that I spoke would. and everything. Dude, it's funny. I ties into the end of the story, man. I lost trip to Argentina. Um, and, and thank you for saying that. And, and I kind of, like, wanted to take the job. But then at the moment, like, you know, once we kind of went into the briefing, it was, like, more for college kids like getting trying to get college placement i don't know there's like something weird about that where i was like i'd rather like either do professional you know or nothing because like 
I feel like you shouldn't be paying somebody to help you like get into college as much, you know, like yeah. it's a different kind of game and they're kids. And I feel like you, have, you do have to like weirdly take advantage of them and not like in a really bad way, but you know, you don't have to pay. Like the reality is if you're a good enough soccer player, dude, like you're going to get, that. and it's yeah. a hard truth for a lot of people to swallow because like, you know, I wasn't found essentially. So I just, you know, like, Oh no, like but they didn't find me. But if you're actually like that good where somebody can look at you and say, this is the reality of pro sports. They're not looking at you saying, oh, this guy's a great player. They're saying, this person's going to make me money. Yeah, 100%. And you, and have, Bobby, to, you, have, to, yeah. you have to be better than somebody that's already in the team. So like mm-hmm. when I was at Mary Washington, I didn't play. Also, I did, had no clue about college recruiting at all. I probably could have played somewhere. There were some small D3 schools that had reached out in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm but I wasn't better than anyone in the team. I was good enough to play with the team and be fine, but I wasn't going to take anyone out of the starting lineup and I was a walk-on. So there was no reason for him to take me as annoyed as I was because the reason he gave me was nonsense. He was like, oh, you're injured. So I'm enough to cut you. I wasn't even injured. I had a dead leg and I missed one practice. I was like, just tell me you're not going to take me. Like, don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah. like, I, like I get it, but still. Um. So yeah, anyway, like to your point, if, if you are good enough to break into a team in any college, like somebody will find you for the most part. Um, obviously if you're not one of the most, like the more sought after like D one sort of level prospects, you're going to have to do your fair share of reaching out, but yeah, exactly. You have to play your part. It's not, it's not like you don't have to help, but do you like need to pay a decent amount of money to an agency? No. Like not nah, right. No, like just I, find, I don't I like don't just Google, so. D3 soccer conference in the area or like D3 conference in the area, like close to where you live and just email every coach. A hundred percent. Exactly. Either that, and, and, and that's like a whole nother sure, conversation. Yeah. And then aside from, aside from that, just to tie the, tie the bow on that one, make sure that the school has something that you're interested in uh, before you do it. Don't just email everybody out of nowhere. All right. Anyways. Yeah, no, for going. sure. Um, And then, where we're oh yeah it's then so i was like no i'm not gonna be an agent for right now i'm just gonna like keep playing so i'm playing with asa and like things are going really well but i'm just like dude i just feel that i'm not i don't know i play a traditional nine you know like i'm not mm-hmm. um super quick and technical and like a 10 you know like i, I know i'm good at being a nine like holding the ball up releasing it and like finishing you know like that kind of stuff but I feel like it's either not being appreciated or not in need, right? In America, at least, because it's styles of play, right? You forget how international soccer is. And then at one point, like, you know, my mom's just telling me, she's like, why don't you go to Argentina? Why don't you go to Argentina? Why don't you go to Argentina? And at this point in my life, I hadn't been to Argentina since 2014 for the World Cup. That was the last time that I'd gone to Argentina. Everyone else in my family had gone back down um, for like, family or something else right but i had always been playing or school or something so i didn't get to go so i was coaching with asa while i'm playing with them you know and then at one point i just kind of like tell them one day and i'm like hey guys i'm sorry but i'm not going to come back in the spring like i'm going to go to argentina and kind of pursue this dream of playing pro um and uh they were just like okay (laughs) you better make it and i was like well yeah i hope so so then I go down. I had made a contact uh, at the coaching convention in Baltimore with the national team coach for futsal in Argentina. And when he was there giving, like, a, his speech, I met him. 
and I met his associates who, you know, are the people who are easier to be in contact with. Cause obviously he's going to be a nice guy. He's a fucking national team coach from the world cup winning country. Right. He's not reaching out to everyone, even though he did respond to my WhatsApp when I did message him. So Matias, that guy's, he's a legend, dude. He's a world cup champion, man. Like I can't believe that happened never on my phone and that he responded. It's uh, things like that, man, that are crazy. And, and I'm, so I meet, I meet one of his associates, like one of the delegates of AFA. And he like played futsal at this club called Racing, which is one of the big five teams in Argentina. There's Boca, which is the biggest team in Argentina. Uh, River, Racing, which I fell in love with because of what I'm going to say. Um, Independiente and San Lorenzo. So those are like the big five. Kind of like, you know, the Prem has the big six. Um, and he played there and he was just like, you know, I go down to Argentina in December of, like, that year. So I had left Canada in, like, April, and, like, all of that kind of went down in that period. Then December comes, and I go to Argentina. And at first, I go down for Christmas. Like, my whole family goes down. And we have Christmas there, and it's fucking beautiful. And, like, I'm with my family. And it's awesome. And then January comes around. I start training for preseason because, basically, I sent my video to this guy, Nacho. And I am, like, this whole time, I'm also, like, kind of playing futsal for ASA. But it seems just kind of, like, to the side. But I loved it. I loved futsal because I kind of played growing up like Argentina. Um, and I thought I was good. But the thing is, like, the program that we had, as professional as it was, we just had players that weren't. So, like, we couldn't implement futsal really. And it was, I don't know. Um, I was struggling with my knees. Uh, and But I go to Argentina and he's like, look, if you want, I can, like, get you a trial with um, with Racing, you know, um, which is crazy, dude. It's like... I couldn't even believe it. So I was like, hell yeah. Next thing you know, I'm training my ass off. February comes, or it's like January. It's like, the, yeah, yeah. It's like the last two weeks of January, something like that. I go and do the futsal stadium is like right outside the professional stadium. And you just go there and like Maradona coach there. You start walking down the steps and you're like, holy shit. Like I'm about to do something that is like legendary um at least for me right being from argentina and like my family growing up hearing about this team and everything and um dude i start preseason with them and uh in full disclosure i donated cleats to them in their program and i helped them fund something that they needed funding with it wasn't that much money but it was kind of like a gesture and like a foot in the door right and like as americans you know that's kind of what you have to do because they know that you're not like they you obviously have to be good, but they know you're not gonna be what they're getting there, right? So you yeah, have to yeah. kind of like give a gesture to like get in, right? Um and even if you know I had no problem doing it just because I knew that it was worth it. So then I do preseason and the first like two weeks is all kind of like physical and technical. And I'm for the first time in my life, like the most kind of fit person there. I'm also pushing myself more than all of they are. Because, you know, I'm trying to prove myself. A lot of them are already on the, the most of, you know, it's basically the team and like three or four guys trialing. And they kept joking with me. They called me Russian. They called me like the Russian guy because I was like so fit. Um, <laughs> and then we did the technical, the little like technical drills or whatever. And I'm like, you know, fuck. I was like, I'm about to become a professional futsal player. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and uh, then one day, you know, finally we get the scrimmage and i'm like fucking no finally so for he goes over the positions and it was a different like setup from what i'm used to playing in eight, like alexandria and like america puts all like three in the back and a pivot up top and they kind of play like a two two they call it a zero four 
it's like four players, right? They're just like that. Um, but it's I've never played it before, and basically there's no pivot. Everyone has to move and do everything. So that's where I started yeah. struggling because my job, I'm used to being up there, you know, holding the ball up, laying it off, and that's it. Next thing you know, I'm sitting there being forced to run around the whole field and send everything, and I'm so lost. When I tell you they blew that whistle, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, my head hyping myself up. I'm like, sit on like your fit, your technical, like, you know, fucking get after it, dude. Show them what's up right now. Brother, they were running circles around me. I was spinning left and right. I felt like it was embarrassing. I, I was honestly kind of like embarrassed about, and I didn't get like megged or cooked or anything. I'm talking about, and maybe for someone watching from outside, it wasn't that bad, you know? Like I wasn't just like, but for me, I felt like just so far from the level, you know? And I'm just like, yeah. geez. And, and I actually, I scored a goal or two. They were like tappings, you know, after like a play, but I'm there, you know, I'm not like where people are just like, who the fuck is this scrub, you know? But they're also not like, yeah, let's, let's give the ball to this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm more, I'm more just kind of receiving, playing the ball back real quick. But, you know, they obviously saw something in me and, um, you know, I keep practicing, I keep practicing and I keep getting better and better and better. I keep running the system. I keep getting more confident. But as I'm like getting better, my knees are getting worse and worse and worse because in America, we played futsal, what, twice a week for an hour and a half. Now I'm playing futsal seven days a week for two hours every single day at that absolute maximum, sucks. dude, at absolute, absolute maximum effort too. And my body is just not used to it. I didn't play like basketball and stuff growing up. And I find myself like getting to, we would practice at night at like eight o'clock at night. And I started finding myself waking up and like literally just treating my knees all day so that I can walk and play at night right yep. and it's just getting like really bad and then the preseason comes we play a friendly and and i scored a goal it was insane dude like i could not believe it like i had a jersey on like a rotten jersey and i scored a goal and like they celebrated with me you know and it was like it was crazy the ball came to me and i just kind of like instinctually shot it and like went in you know and i couldn't believe that it went in and after that game, I like I had to walk out of the stadium. I would take a train home. I would like take a bus and train home. Um, and I take a video of myself and I record it. And I'm like, I need to like remember this moment. And I like talk. And I'm smashing like you just like did something that you never thought you'd do. You know, like you scored for us. And like think about what your dad's gonna say. Think about what your family's gonna say. And then at the end of the video, I go, but fuck, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm not having fun. You know. It was like a weird kind of like, wow, I did what I thought I could get to. But I wasn't like having fun, man. It didn't feel like fun anymore. It felt it was just like nothing but stressful and anxiety filled and um, painful, right? So then basically, you know, I go back to the team the next week. I was like on a Saturday, we get Sunday off. I go back on Monday and I talk to the coach. And it was like around the time where they start offering people contracts and everything. So I talked to him and I'm like, hey, look, like I know you guys probably aren't going to offer me a contract, you know, but um, I would love to like be a part of this coaching staff and, um, you know, just like learn. I just, I was like, I just want to learn at this point, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm realizing that I'm in a place that, dude, I was learning so fucking much every single day about futsal, things that I had never learned. Like, bro, these people only play futsal. They don't play soccer. They're futsal players. Yeah, that's the difference. A different in America, we play soccer, and then you play futsal in the winter, dude. They play futsal, so I I've learned things 
about futsal that I never thought in my life I would learn, right? And I lived it. I didn't have a coach come here and like teach courts. I lived it in Spanish, you know, like with them. It was crazy. So, dude, they're actually really fucking nice. They're just like, look, honestly, we were like not going to offer you a contract, but we were going to let you like play with the team, you know, through the season and like not necessarily play games, but kind of like, you know, friendlies I could play and then yeah. just kind of yeah. like be practice, like on the team. Player. Yeah. yeah. And I told him, I was like, dude, I just like my body can't take that, you know, and I don't want to like go through it if I'm not like getting paid and everything. Um, but they let me like hang out with the coaches. So I do like a month kind of like crash, like course with um, they have the first team. And then the second team, the reserves is called like the Tercera, which is the third. I don't know why. Nobody knows why they couldn't give me an answer, but <laughs> I start. Yeah, I know. Um, I start like training with them essentially uh, or coaching them. And it was fucking awesome, dude. There were a bunch of great kids. They were all a bunch of young guys, like, you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, and they were just, like, great kids. And it, some of them were a little bit younger, maybe 17. And they all, like, loved asking me about America and stuff. And we just had, like, good times. But then at one point, I'm like, dude, I want to take a break from soccer, you know, just for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And basically for the next five months in Argentina, I just, like, started living my life. Uh, and crazy enough, my cousin – um is an actor in argentina my cousin karim um and he introduced me he takes me to a, a co-ed soccer game one day i go to the game one of his friends come who is also an actor but this guy's like a calvin klein model too and he's he i play the game and he goes yo bro like you're pretty good uh i play on a team called actores uh we need a nine like can you come play and i was like fuck yeah i can come play so then, like, a week later, he texts me. He's like, yo, this is the field. We're playing at 11 p.m. Like, be there. And it's, like, 10 o'clock at night already. So I'm like, shit. I, like, start. I get ready. Um, I call a taxi. And I, like, go there. And I get there at, like, 10. And I'm freaking out, right? Because my game's at 11. I got to be there, like, an hour later, you know? Dude, I get there at, what, 10, 40? I'm the first one there, man. There's nobody there. I'm like, where the hell? I'm, like, so nervous, American in me. Nobody's fucking there. <laughs> Um, so I'm like calling him. I'm like, dude, am I at the right place? He's like, yeah, bro, you're fine. Don't worry. Like, we're all going to be there. The game didn't end up starting until like 1130. But so I get there, right? And he shows up. And then I'm like meeting all these guys. I'm like, yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? Game starts. Long story short, I scored three goals. It's 7v7, right? Um, but it's like a league. It's a whole league. Like, it's pretty org – it's very organized. It's like a league. Everyone has like the same jerseys and stuff. Like, it's not like an adult league. It's a very competitive league. And I scored three goals. So they're like, nice. The American is coming back, right? So then I come back two more times. I scored two goals the next game. And then I like score a goal and give like two assists. And I just like keep scoring. I mean, it's 77, dude. Like, and it's not pro, you know, like I was just training yeah, yeah. to be a professional. So I'm like, I, I should be doing that. Um, And next thing you know, dude, they post a picture on Instagram one day of like, you know, the starting lineup. And I'm in there, dude. And I start clicking on their profiles. I'm like, oh, let me start following my teammates. Dude, one of these guys has 8 million followers, bro. He's a pop. He's like a pop star, like a famous pop star. And then, like, they're just a whole bunch of actors, you know, 800,000 followers, 20, 30, like 2 million. So I'm like, what the fuck? What team am I on, dude? Like, what, what has happened? And I don't – they're not famous to me because I don't consume Argentine media. So yeah. I'm treating them like we're at Dream. I don't look at them like, oh, my God, you're like – you're him. I'm just like, dude, pass me the fucking ball to my left foot. You know, like when I'm making this run. And I guess they appreciated that because they really like became friends with me, dude, because I didn't treat them, you know, like as a celebrity. I treated them as, you know, fucking dudes. And we 
clicked and like there's two or three of them where I'm really, really, really good friends with to this day. We maintain a relationship. I teach English to a few of them because they like have to practice English for acting. So we do Zoom calls and we just practice talking like this. Um, but I basically start hanging out with these guys every day, right? And they're all like models, creatives, actors, musicians. Like they're very, they're creative people. Mm -hmm. And I, I start being around this and I'm like, damn, dude, I love this. You know, I'm like, I absolutely love this. Like, I'm so happy. People make me so happy and they're so cool. And I like kind of finish up in Argentina and then I finish up in Argentina. Um, so what? And then June comes and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I need to like, I started running out of money, honestly. Um, Cause I had like a little bit saved up, but I wasn't making money down there. So then I, uh, I come back and I start assistant coaching at St. Stephen's, which is a school that I'm at now. But as I start doing that, I uh, do Virginia dream starts that year. Mm -hmm. And I start going to watch the games before I start kind of playing and I meet Jared. Right? Yep. Um, and I see Jared's pictures and I'm like, dude, this guy's cool as shit. No, before that, I'm walking down the street in Old Town one day and somebody stops me and they're like, have you ever modeled before? And I was like, yeah, I have. And they go, would you like, would you be interested? And it was like, boom. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You know, this is exactly what I needed in my life. Like, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. He gives me his card. That guy ended up sucking a little bit. You know, it was, uh, I don't know. He was just trying to sell me stuff. And I was like, I don't like need to pay. I shouldn't be paying you for this. Like I should be making you money. So I shouldn't be paying you for this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I hit up Jared and then and Jared's just for those listening. Oh, Jared's yeah. been on the podcast before. Go check that episode out as well. Anyways, keep going. Perfect, dude. I would definitely check that out because Jared's a dope ass guy. And dude, I, I like just DM'd him. I was like, yo man, like I just love the photography. Like I, I talked to a few people and they kind of suck. And like, you know, I see you're working with Dream and I know Lucas. Um, uh, would you just be down to, to talk? You know, dude, nicest guy, man. He reaches back out to me. Um, and he had like 20,000. Not that like followers are uh, a measurement of like whether you're worthy or not, but like, no, you know, but this, a lot is, of followers on this is what it, this is what it does though. But the amount of random messages they get, like, it's hard to get in contact exactly. with them because it's hard for them to sort through everything. Like, little, so I've had a guy named, uh, name is peter barber and he's a he's in an acapella group that's got like a gazillion subs on youtube or whatever and he himself wow. has like 100k followers on instagram yeah. i messaged him the first time when he only had five thousand, and then he blew up on his reels or something he was getting like yeah, millions yeah. of views on his reels and so i made it into his like primary section on the uh before yeah. he blew up and i was like wow i'm really lucky that i caught you when i when i did because otherwise there would be no chance and him and i have spoken several times he's been on the podcast a couple times and um yeah so it, to your point the twenty thousand followers the same with jared i had to do it i was like hey jared like at practice i sent you a dm can you respond yeah. to it so we can get you on the podcast because he was like yeah sure no problem because i knew i had no shot if i just messaged him i was like i'm, I'm not going to hear back from him even though i see him yeah. two times two times a week anyways so yeah, no, no exactly, yeah. exactly right. No, exactly. And he was, dude, he was nice enough to like respond, and um, uh, we just had a great conversation. We I called him, and we had a very authentic, like, great conversation. Um, and I just told him, I was like, yeah, dude, like I modeled before, you know, like I kind of want to get back into it. I like your style. Would you want to like do a test shoot? And he was like, yeah, man, we can do like just a shoot, you know, just to like get you back into it. Um, and we just like rented a studio space and like did a little shoot, and like my friend Maya came, um, and it was fun. Uh, and it was a good time. And when we did it, I don't know, it kind of like sparked that back up into me. 
and then we did a, and then I did a shoot for the jerseys for Dream. Yep. Um or for the t-shirts. That's how it started. Uh yeah. they had the t-shirts and me and uh Lucas. Dude, shout out to Lucas, to Keith, and to Jared, um, and the Mendez family as well. Yep. Um just for creating Virginia Dream and allowing me to be a part of it. And uh soccer wise, right? That's one thing, but like what this has brought, what that team has brought for me, like in terms of my career and like modeling has been incredible. And uh, I took the pictures with like dream. And then uh, I do that. And then next thing you know, like I, you know, look close to an event. And at that event, I start meeting other people and they start hitting me up to like do stuff like local brands. Um, and then I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I got a look and I dyed my hair and I had like the whole little look going on. Um, and then Jared hits me up and, you know, I do. And then I do the jerseys for them. Um, and then, and then, um, uh, someone finds me out. No, the designer that I worked with at Marymount, my friend, uh, Chooks, who now lives in New York and is a professional designer and a signed model. And is just like one of the coolest, one of the coolest people I've ever met, man. When you talk about like style and fashion, this guy is just like the king of it. Um, and like, I know he's going to do great things because like he's young and he's already like been just like, he's done some great stuff already. And he's just going to keep doing more. Um, he hits me up and he's like, yo, dude, would you be interested in like working with a tennis brand? I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, cool. Next thing you know, like his friend DMs me and he's like, yo, we found you on Instagram. Like, you know, we like your look. We'd want you to like work with us for like this tennis shoot, this brand called Rebellion Tennis. Shout out my guys at Rebellion. Rebellion. It's like basically breaking down the barriers of what tennis is and taking away like the country clubness of it. And like anyone can play tennis. So instead of having to wear like a nice proper polo and shit, it's like cool graphic tees and like, you know, more accessible clothing for everyone. And I, I'm all about that because I don't think you should be excluded from a sport because you can't afford the the gear. Yeah. Um, so then I do that and like they pay me and I was like kind of like my first like paid Lucas would always pay me. Or like give me something, whether it's like clothes or something like that, or compensate me in some in some way. But this is kind of like my first, like kind of like official, like you know, we don't know who you are. We're gonna pay you for this. Um, and I do like a whole menswear line, and it was sick. I just remember like they actually invited me to the to the U.S. Open, which is coming up soon. It actually might have started today or tomorrow. Uh, so I'm about to hit them up, and get my tickets, man. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun, man. Yeah, and then just to tie all that together. Long story short, about three, and then I go, I go back to Argentina um, for a month because I had to get some dental work done. It's so much cheaper down there. So, like, about a month ago, I was down in Argentina, um, you know, and it was awesome. I saw my family I and stuff. But as I'm there, same thing. Someone hits me up. They're like, yo, you want a model? Like, so I, I applied for an agency there, um, and I'm, like, still talking to them. But since I don't live in Argentina, things are kind of complicated. But I come back from Argentina and, like, three days after i get back i'm at work i get text from jared he's like would you want to be submitted for an mls shoot i'm like dude you're wasting your fucking breath asking questions like this like just submit it already two hours later approved contracts on the way dude like now i can talk about this because it's done i get the email from mls which is already crazy i'm looking down right and i'm like reading this contract and it's like ndas like you know you can like do not yeah. disclose and i'm like oh my god like what is this gonna be I'm thinking it's going to be whatever, dude. I don't know. You know, like a poster shot for like a website, dude. I had been, and they say, I see an MLS all-star Jersey collection and I like start shaking, man. I'm like, wow. 
Like, wow, 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 wow. Like, I love soccer. So, like, you know, at, like, tennis or anything else is cool. But I'm like, dude, this is MLS, Adidas, like, in D.C., like, the all-star game. And it's just, like, no fucking way, right? And then they start a group chat. We're in it. We start getting all this information. And it was, like, he texted me on a Friday. The shoot was that Sunday. So I'm, like, texting every fucking barber I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, can you come out here? And nobody can, dude. So I'm just, like, fuck it, bro. And, like, this is obviously, this is, like, the joke about, like, modeling. Like, where you're so worried about yourself. Like, I probably look fine. You know, I didn't, like, my like, little neck there or whatever. But I, in my head, I was, like, freaking out a little bit. But then I'm just, like, dude, it's fine. Like, it's not that deep. Uh, I just, like, cleaned up my beard and. Uh, and then, yeah, it was like an all-day shoot. It was sick. Maya and Nick were there, who are the two other models that worked with Dream and did their stuff. Um, and it was awesome, man. We just drove around D.C. We had, like, a whole bunch of gear they would give us. We had to, like, cover it up when we weren't shooting, like, because, like, you know, it wasn't released yet. And, like, you would see, like, people wa walk by you every once in a while and, like, look at you and be like, what if he's having me, like, take pictures and stuff. And, like, um, you know, we had, like, the crew with all the lights and everything. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Everyone's helping out. And, it, it just like felt really real and I, I just tried to like really be present in that moment you know and um and appreciate it and just like enjoy it because as much as I thought to myself like yeah this is the start and more is gonna come you're nothing's guaranteed right so I thought I might never get to experience this again you know so I just like try to take in the day and the moment um and then you know like they paid me and um you know, they were just like, yeah, we're going to post it on the Instagram, maybe, you know, and I was like, shit, maybe they'll pick a picture of me, you know, like, I I honestly didn't think they were going to pick me, like, I thought um, that I was going to be, like, one little picture, and the next thing you know, like, they started slowly posting it on Instagram and shit, and I'm like, holy shit, like, dude, the MLS page has, like, 3 million followers, and they, like, posted me, I can't believe it, the next thing you know, I'm watching TV one night, I'm watching DC United with my brother, and I fall asleep at halftime, and I get waking up to, Sammy, you're on TV, you're on TV, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, like, there's me and, like, Nick and Maya, like, sitting there right there, like, the thing. And I'm just, like, you know, I just woke up from a nap. And I'm, like, what? And he's, like, filming me, like, sending it to the family. Um, and then, you know, like, slowly people around the city are, like, in the metro sending me a picture. And they're, like, yo, dude, is this you in the metro? Um, and I'm, like, well, yeah, yeah, that is me, man. And then, like, right before All-Star game comes and, dude, Lucas is, like, no, 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 the skills challenge comes. And Lucas yeah. goes to the game and he, and he sends in the group chat. He's like, look at Sebastian and thing. And I'm on the poster, like, in the DC United store. Dude, and I start freaking out, bro. Like, I will never act too cool for any of this shit, dude. I start freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. Like, I, but I don't have tickets. They didn't give me tickets to the game. Fucking, <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't give me, and they said they were going to try. I mean, obviously, Audi Field is small, and it's the all-star game. Um, But I don't have a ticket to the game. So I'm like, there's no way that I'm not going to get a picture with this poster. You know, like this may never happen again. So there's no way that I'm going to miss out on this opportunity to like be able to just like show this five kids one day or like, you know, just have it, dude. It's cool. And I fucking get off work and I drive over with my brother. Dude, we get there at 359. They're like locking the door and I get to the store. I'm like, yo, yo, yo. He's like, oh, that's you. I'm like, hell yeah, baby. Please can I take a picture? Uh, he was cool as shit, man. He took a picture of me with yeah. him. And, and then my dad goes to the game, and he's sending me pictures and stuff. And it, it was a surreal moment, man. I was honestly, like, I was really proud of myself for, like, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, when you get into that world, people like, start telling you things about your appearance. Um, and that, like, can get to you. Not in, like, a positive way. Obviously, like, dude, it gives you a little bit of confidence, man, to hear, like, certain things. But it also gets in your head because you start to overthink things a lot. 
you start to yeah. think you have to show up you have to show up a certain way you know where i'm like damn like they think that this is who i am so i gotta dress like this i gotta like make sure i look good like you know i gotta keep my skin clear which are also like healthy things you know but to worry about it um and become so there's unhealthy like a million percent dude yeah. one one and that's why i so this is why i'm proud of myself because one everything i do is natural right i don't take anything illegal i don't take any supplements like i don't um i take like protein protein and creatine but you know i don't like i don't overstep any boundaries of what a normal person would do you know in a normal yeah, yeah. everyday life you know like i don't starve myself i don't restrict myself um from eating i don't um do like you know bad drugs that are gonna like get me to this and i so like that's one thing i'm proud of right and it keeps me healthy and i work out a lot and i like i work hard for this because if i don't work out like i gain weight very quickly um but like the biggest thing i'm proud of myself is just like being able to step out and do something like out of my comfort zone at first you know yeah. And you know, where you think you're going to get made fun of and you, and you know, you worry about what people think and, and then you start doing it. And dude, I just like got such a good reception. And like, I still have people that like hate on me because like you always will, you know, I think you could cure cancer and someone would fucking find a way to be of like, course. well, why don't you do it this way? You know what I mean? Uh, Yo, so, I don't mean, I don't mean to cut yeah. you off. No, I gotta, please do. I, gotta I talk run so much. I talk no, so you're much, good. dude. We should do, we should definitely <laughs> do a part two to this at some yeah. point. But this, when you were worried that I wasn't like, well, what, what questions? I only asked you one question and we were talking, we were trying <laughs> for a fucking hour and a half, dude. Goddamn, bro. It was a good chat, though, man. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Now I got to go run a session that I am slightly late for and go call everybody. Oh, no, dude. You got to oh, get out of here. No, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Listen. listen all right, all right. It's, it's okay. It happens. Um, yeah, it does. Tell the people where to find uh, where to find you on the socials or anything that you got to plug real quick and get a, get um, any last nickels and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, sweet. Uh, just thank you again so much, dude. I just always appreciate the time to um, to share and um, and and hopefully somebody heard something in here that helped them pique their interest in something, inspired them to do something new um and my instagram is that's basically like the main thing that i use so if you want to like reach out to me or just follow me or whatever uh, my instagram is at s hendy underscore 10 um and that'll be in I'm the sure description. eric will link that yeah, yeah that'll be in the description um, for sure and and but i do not have a lot of followers so if you dm me i will probably see it and i will most likely respond to it especially if it's like asking for advice hey, or something hey, hey be, be careful with that <laughs> dude fuck it man i i dude you'd be surprised I, I work with teenage kids man they find you and they <laughs> and then and they uh, um, 100%. So I, i'm 100 percent, man but no man i'll leave with you just love love your life man take try to try to enjoy every everything that happens the good and the bad because um that's kind of like what makes us human right like the suffering but also the joy so don't 100%. ever be afraid to yeah man don't ever be afraid to do something new that may seem scary worst comes to worst man you try it it sucks you never do it again but like best thing that happens is you find a new passion or something and um you might might end up on a billboard who knows yeah who knows man all right guys we'll see you guys next time there will definitely be a part two to this because this oh, conversation yeah, is not over yeah dude um we'll see you guys next time peace appreciate you eric thank you everyone have a good one <laughs>